0: Jesus every day. <laughs> well done, Jono. That's true. We want to welcome you here because our church, we want to be a, a church that helps you thrive, every one of us, to come and have a life to the full. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, have life abundant. And so we're each wanting to become more and more like Jesus. We'll never be God ourselves, but we want to become like him. And so uh, not looking like him, but displaying his character. And that's why we're here today. We want to learn more about how we can become more like Jesus. And so today, we want to welcome you. Right in the, you would have received a news sheet as you've come in. And there's just some really important stuff to grab from there. If you're new here today or if you're regular, the blue cards are just a really important um, way that we can keep in touch, that we can receive prayer requests from you, that if you want to join a small group or you want to make a decision uh, to follow Jesus or you don't know about that and you want to find out more, you can just respond using this blue card. So we want you to have a look at that and especially if you're here or new and and just come to the area, we'd love to get to know you more. It would be great for for you to fill that out. Uh, The other thing on the front of the news sheet is we're starting a new series today uh, this, this morning, next Sunday and the following Sunday, we're looking at the prayer of Jesus in John 17 and we're looking at how he prayed and what that could mean for our lives and our prayer lives to, to, today, how you and I can uh, be impacted by that. So this morning, we're looking at praying like Jesus from John 17. So I hope um, you find that really helpful for your own prayer life. The other uh, information we want to give you is just to update you on a few um, important things that have been happening. This week, there's a whole lot of uh, young adults and youth that have been just going so hard that they've had lack of sleep and they're bleary-eyed and I'll be watching you see if you fall asleep in my sermon, but you've been at ESA this week. So how was that, everybody? Good? Yeah. Woo! Great. So we had, we had over 30 of our people there, you know 14 leaders and, and youth as well, on that camp, and they 've just had a great time and uh, we're just are so excited to hear what 's happened, and we want to find out more. so if you meet someone who was on that camp, find out all the great stuff that went on. Um, also, some of you have been praying, uh, and David and Barbara Kavanagh have been praying, and they just want to bring us a bit of an update on, on a prayer that they 've been asking many people to pray for. So, David, why don't we welcome Dave? Good morning. On behalf of my wife and I, I think I said that. <laughs> right up, right up. I think I said that 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> I can't waffle on. 10 minutes? No, go. Okay. Okay. As you know, um, our daughter-in-law and son live in Oman. She was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. She had uh, made operations and had it uh, removed by the lymph plant uh, and then yesterday or the day before we got a message from Martin to say it is clear now How of prayer never underestimate because they said it was a miracle it is a miracle and uh, we praise Jesus for that mm. great thank you So thank you to everybody who prayed, and uh, that's just great to see. Now, I wonder if uh, Neil and Norma are here. Are you here this morning, Neil and Norma? Come, if you could just come down the front just for a minute. Why don't we welcome Neil and Norma? Now, there's some exciting stuff happening in your life. What's, what's going on? Those lights are exciting. Don't worry. (laughs) What's going on in your lives? Have you heard? you heard? I have. (laughs) How do you tell? Well, we're engaged and we're about to be married in two weeks, I think, John, isn't it? Yeah, two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. great. So that's next, not this Saturday, but next Saturday at the Anglican Church in Yak. Um, so we're just so encouraged and we just want to pray for you. Now, after that... after They can just turn this one off, can't they? Why don't they just do that? After, after that, um, something else is exciting happening to you. So you're getting married and then what's coming after that? What's happening, there? Oh, don't you know what happens? To- <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> 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 Laughing! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Jordan and I have been involved in missions for a long time and that's how we met actually at a mission conference. And we're going to South Africa and Mozambique with the work of OMS International. The missionary society started in 1901 by Charles and Lenny Cowman in Japan. But we're going to Mozambique to on a witness team to have a look at the work that's been started over there children's homes, orphanages, schools, village churches, and Bible seminary. So we're going over there to be able to have a look and see what's happening and then come back and encourage the people to pray and get more involved in the Lord's work. Great. Well, why don't we pray for them together now? Can we, before we do that, yes. can I just have a final word? Yes. I you know the woman always has the last word. <laughs> I would just like to thank all of you. I've been part of this church for 15 years, very happily. I have been very blessed here by the fellowship, by the message, um, just everything. And um, it'll be sad. Um, we're leaving. You see, he lives in New South Wales. You can't have a marriage be- between borders, can you? No. <laughs> um, so I'll be moving up to Young, New South Wales, Central West area and making a new life there um, at Young Baptist Church, hopefully, with my brother-in-law as the interim pastor. My ex-brother-in-law. Yes. Um, I would like to thank each one of you for the, the way you have impacted my life here. I have been very blessed. And it will be sad to say goodbye, but there's a new chapter of my life beginning, so I can only be happy about that. And know that God is with us in whatever he has for us. And uh, we're just praising him and looking forward to it. So thank you. Great. Now, is it okay if we pray now? (laughs) Yes, John. (laughs) Great. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, love. Thank you for marriage. Thank you for Neil and Norma. We just pray that you would bless them uh, in a couple of weeks as they get married we pray it would just be a wonderful, wonderful day. And Lord, we thank you for your passion that you placed in them for mission. We just ask that their trip to South Africa would just be such a wonderful time. Lord, bless them, we pray, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray that this future that they have together in another part, uh, in, in New South Wales, in another church, would just be a wonderful new beginning for them both, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Great. Now, another exciting thing that you would have just been informed about as you uh, we talked about it last week, but this week you would have got um, some information on that. And this is uh, The Living Church, a new series that we're uh, starting. And it starts on February the 15th. And the most um, huge thing about this, I talked last week about you know, stepping out in faith and, and believing that God is able and that when we believe that God is able and we ask him, he can do anything. Well, this is the first time we've ever really done a series where it's come from our own sort of putting together and working on it ourselves. So uh, we're looking at the church, the living church. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail about it, what did he have in mind? What was, what, what's God's plan for the church? How does he want us to live? I've met lots of people who don't go to church who say, I believe in Jesus and I love God, but I just haven't got any time for the church. Why would I ever go to the church? You know, many people in their minds have separated faith in Christ and the church. And I just think it would be great for us to look at the church together for for six weeks. And the way we're going to do that is every Sunday morning and night, the same message will be preached. Then midweek, there'll be small groups that will be uh, meeting together and studying material. On Sunday mornings also, we'll be having kids' church on the same kind of theme. So if you have kids, you can talk to them about what they learnt in kids' church as well. And youth, uh, the youth group as well are really getting involved in that as well. So it'll be a church-wide series that is starting, and we're very excited about it. I think for anybody to know why they're here and their identity and who they are, will make such a significance to how we act on earth and for us to know what the church is all about, what God has in his mind for us, I think it's going to make a big impact. So uh, during that time, we're hoping that everybody, as many as can possible, will be in small groups. And here's just some information about small groups that uh, we'd love you to just take in now. Let's watch this together. My name is John Desmond. And I have found the perfect small group. It took some searching, but I found a group. You' all turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verses one to five. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that we're here today. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you modelled to us what prayer is like through John 17, through your prayer here, Jesus. Teach us today, God. Help us to know how we should pray. Our hearts are open. Our minds are ready. Lord, speak to us Through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've ever had an experience where uh, you thought that you were doing the right thing. Uh, You thought that what you were doing was actually what you were supposed to be doing, but then suddenly realised that what you'd been doing in preparation for this event was all wrong. Maybe you we were getting ready to go to a place and it was the wrong day. Maybe you were getting ready to go up to a dress-up party and it was, you know, in Collingwood colours and you went in Hawthorne colours, you know. But maybe you got there and just thought what you'd expected was completely wrong. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. Maybe it's happened to you if you were studying. Sometimes you look in an exam and under the pressure, you read a question and you just get one or two words round the wrong way. And you might get this mark back or comment back from the teacher. Fantastic essay, F, you answered the wrong question. And as you look at it, it finally dawns that you read the question wrong and you didn't answer the question they were asking at all. Now, it's okay for an event like a party or even an exam. I mean, if that happens in one question, hopefully it's not the end of the world. But imagine if you had believed something to be true as a parent and you'd implemented that right through your parenting and it was wrong. Perhaps someone said to you, oh, children, they should be seen but not heard. And you heard that and thought, maybe I'll implement that in my home. And so you were very harsh on your children. And you gave them the impression that they're only good when they're quiet, and you crushed their spirit. Can you imagine in years to come looking back on your parenting and saying, Oh, I thought it was right, but it was wrong? I wonder what happened, what would happen, imagine, if the way you thought you should live your life, you looked back and realize that you got it wrong. Imagine on your deathbed, taking your last breath and going before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and suddenly realize that the whole idea of why you existed and what you lived for was wrong. Like all of your life, you'd been climbing up a ladder right to the top, only to realize that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Wouldn't it be drastic? And today, I think there are so many people that think they know what life is all about. They think they know why they're living. But I think this morning, as we look in this passage, we're going to find that often what people think life is all about is completely wrong. I mean, for example, I think many people today think that life is all about living a healthy life, living well. And many of our prayers is God, oh, would you protect me and give me a healthy life? You know, please don't let me get sick. Let me live a healthy life. And the idea behind it is we want to get as old as we can and as far down the road of life without getting sick. So that when we're really old, we can still be fit and healthy and then we die. And it's like we've had a fit and healthy life. And many people live as that's the reason and they pray as that's the reason we live. You know, it's good to want a healthy life. Who wants to live a sick life? We don't want that, you know. But it's, So it's not a bad prayer to pray that, God, you would help us be healthy. But if that is at the very top of our hearts and what we're existing for, then we get sick and our world falls apart and God's let us down. There's something more, I think, that God shows us to pray about. Many people think uh, today if we can just have enough to be able to buy what we want, to be able to go on a holiday if we need to, to be able to pay for things when we get into trouble. If we can be financially secure, if we can have more than enough, then that is going to be what we're living for. So we pray, God, would you provide for us? Would you give us whatever we get, you give to us? Would you help us be good stewards of that so we don't waste that and that we do it well and that you would give us all that we need to have the kind of life that you've you know, we can live. And this is good. I mean, we do want to have enough to get by. But if that is the total uh, purpose of what we live in, just to have enough and to get by and to be able to be good stewards of what we're given, if that's what co- occupies our prayer life all the time, I think what we might find is when we get to our last days and we breathe our last breath, that we might have missed out on what God had wanted us to be praying and asking every day of our lives. Often, you know, I find myself with the kids praying, God, thank you for this great day. Pray you give us a good day tomorrow. And it's a good prayer. But if that's the heart of what we're praying for every day, a good day and a great day tomorrow, if our comfort, if our security, if our protection so that we live a safe life is what we're praying for, I think we might find that when God challenges us or we're under pressure and we're stressed and and in that time, we might miss what God really wants more than anything else in our lives and for us to pray. So how, how can we, what should we pray for? What, what would Jesus want us to pray for? The truth is Jesus prayed. He prayed. He prayed often. He, he, he prayed because intimacy with his Father was so important. So while he was on earth, we often find that Jesus, in the midst of busy times, would withdraw to pray. There were times when he prayed on a number of occasions, right through the night. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. He prayed early in the morning, we find. He prayed. And his prayer life was such that other people noticed it. In fact, the disciples were so impacted by the way he prayed that instead of saying, Lord, teach us how to do those miracles you know, or teach us how to do, you know, preach like you did, they, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And this morning, as you and I are here today wanting to live our lives the way God has, has created us to live, and wanting to live it in such a way that our lives would be lived the way he wants us to, Uh, this passage couldn't come at a better time for us because we see what's right at the heart of Jesus, what he's praying for most at this time, what he's desiring most in this prayer. And if Jesus desires that, surely that's something we can pray for each day of our lives. So this morning new series called Praying Like Jesus. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be working through John 17. And uh, R. Kent Hughes, in a commentary, writes this. uh, John 17 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible and certainly one of the most treasured. Some refer to it as the holy of holies of sacred scripture, uh, the, the revelation of the inner sanctum of Christ's heart as he bared his soul in a final public prayer to the Father before he stepped out into the night and onto the cross. Philip Melanchthon wrote, uh, who along with Martin Luther was the renowned intellect of the early Reformation said, there is no voice which has ever been heard either in heaven or in earth more exalted, more holy, more fruitful, more sublime than the prayer offered up by the Son of God himself. As we look at John chapter 17, we're going to be seeing the Son of God praying to the Father and we're going to be seeing prayer and and the Godhead, the Son praying to the Father in all its glory and we will together learn so much about prayer. This chapter divides easily into three logical sections. In verses 1 and 5, Jesus prayed for himself. In verses 6 to 9, he prays for the apostles. And in verses 20 to 26, he prayed for the church in the world. And we're going to be looking at these um, different sections in the coming three weeks. And it'd be great just to read through this at home on your, uh, on your own. What was Jesus praying for? Before we get to that, what, what was so important to his heart, it's important to know the context of where we are. Through John, if you just flick back a couple of chapters to John 13, we see in the upper room Jesus washing the disciples' feet and sharing with them. And he's saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm teaching you a new commandment. Uh, love as I've loved you, and he teaches them about servanthood. And then he, he continues to teach them different things. He says, Judas, you're going to betray me. He, he points out that Peter's going to deny him three times. He, he says that he's going away and he's leaving them, and where he's going, they can't come. And he says, But don't be worried about that. Don't be anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when they ask where, he says, Well, where I'm going, you're not coming. But you know, the place I'm going, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to come is through me. He also talked about the fact that the, the, he was going away and it would be better for the disciples and would be better for you and I because then he would send his spirit, the comforter, who would guide them and lead them into all true. And so Jesus tells them about the coming uh, Holy Spirit. And then in John 15, he talks about how the disciple, he's the vine, they are the branches, and that if they remain in him, they'll bear much fruit. So he's teaching them about loving Jesus and remaining and abiding in him. He says that if the world hates you, bear in mind that it hated him first. He was preparing them for what might lie ahead. And in verse 16, chapter 16, he says in chapter 16 that their grief that they're about to experience is going to turn to joy. And at this time it's going to be hard, but in a little while they'll they'll see the purpose of what's about to take place. In verse 33 of 16, just prior to this chapter, Jesus explains why he's told them what he has. He said, I've told you these things that I've been teaching you uh, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He was preparing them for all the trouble that came ahead and saying, knowing whatever comes in me, you can have peace. Trusting in me, looking to me, take heart, I've overcome the world. And as we open up this passage, Jesus now pauses in the midst of this crucial time, the night before he was betrayed and and crucified, the following day on the cross, when, the night when he was portrayed, just before he was crucified. Right in the midst of all of this happening, he prays. And I just think just that right up is a very important thing. Jesus was no teacher who just teach, taught and didn't pray As he taught, he prayed and he prayed to God that people would understand what he was teaching. He prayed, he mixed his teaching with prayer and right in the midst of his ministry, it was saturated in prayer and that's something worth us looking at because Jesus, who was the son of God, who was one of the three, God in one, prayed to his father and he paused at the most important times and for you, whatever you're facing today, whether it be a mountain that seems overwhelming, like the cross must have been to Jesus, or whether it be a joy that you're facing right in the midst of life, let prayer be the f- constant of your life. As you learn, be a prayer, prayer as Jesus was. As we look in this passage, it just simply begins like this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Right here, the very first verse of this section. Jesus just reveals exactly what is at the top of his heart. Jesus' desire above all else was that his life would bring God glory. That his life, that everything that he did, would bring glory to God. That the way that he lived in these final hours, through the way that he faced the cross, would bring glory to him. God had, uh, Jesus uh, on earth, had brought glory to God through his teaching, through the miracles that he'd done. And all through the book of John, there's this phrase that's constantly uh, reappearing. His time had not yet come. Jesus said, look, my time has not yet come. Over and over, as the book of John unfolds, this phrase keeps coming up. And here in John 17, just before the cross, Jesus says, Father, the time has come. Right now, as I'm ready to face the cross, this is my prayer. God, glorify me so that I may glorify you. Lord, bring glory to me in this moment, all that I'm about to do, so that you, Father, might be glorified in everything. His life, Jesus' prayer, Jesus' longing was that his life would bring glory to God. We can pray for health. We can pray that God would provide for our needs. We can pray that God would keep bring safety to us and protect us. But above all else, God's prayer was not for his own welfare, but for God's glory. Your life would change dramatically when the heart of your prayer is praying above all else, God, may your glory be seen. Because if your prayer is, God, keep me healthy right down the road, Right when you get sick, you can still pray, God, in this sickness, in this cancer, in this suffering, in whatever I'm facing, God, may you be glorified in this. If you heal me, it's for your glory. If you don't, God, may I show your glory in the way that I trust you and look to you right through this. If it's for uh, praying for God to provide all your needs financially if you're rich or if you're poor you can bring glory to God no matter what state you're in financially whether you have all that you need or whether you don't have enough if your prayer is God let everything I do bring you glory then you can bring him glory whatever the circumstances in comfort if you are if God is protecting you and caring for you or if you're in a car accident you you can say God I believe that there's a purpose in this, and I want to bring you glory even in these times that I'm facing. If your prayer this morning is God, in my life, I want to bring you glory, then no matter what situation you're in this morning, you can do that. You can bring Him glory. And everything that you face, though it might be painful, though it might be hard, you can pray, Lord, whatever I'm going through, would you bring glory through this? And God is able to bring glory out of the most challenging, difficult situations when that's our prayer at the top of our heart. So how was Jesus going to bring a glory to the Father? In verse 2, he says, For you granted him, he's talking about himself, Father, the time has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. The way that Jesus was going to bring glory was by taking the authority that God had given him for all people, and providing for those that God had called eternal life. Now, how would that be happen? Hap- how would that happen? where well, he just said the time has come. And he was talking about the cross. He was talking about the way he would bring glory to God through the cross. And I think there's two ways that, that Jesus really brought glory to God. He showed his total obedience to, Christ, to God, even to death. He, he was willing to die and to give his life so that others may live. So his total obedience, his total surrender to God to say, not my will, but your will be done. This was incredible. So the way he bought glory was through obedience to God. And on the cross, while he was being hurled insults at, while he was being, you know, being suffering so much humiliation, while he was taking upon the sins of the world, he was saying, God, I want to obey you. I want to do what you want. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want for your glory. Second thing, way in which he bought glory was in giving his life So that you and I might have life. So he obeyed God and he also gave his life so that others might be saved as well. When we look at the cross and we see the glory in the cross, this is a demonstration of God's incredible love for you and I. Christ dying on the cross, saying, God loves you so much that he would allow his son to die and take upon himself your and my sin. And he died there so that you and I, through believing in Jesus Christ, might have eternal life. And this was how Jesus brought glory to God, by dying on the cross, by rising again, by conquering sin and death. And through us looking to the cross, we know now we can be forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is what brought glory to the Father. For you granted him authority, he says, over all people, uh, this the cross was for everyone but it says here to all uh, th- that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him, God knows God has chosen, he knows who will re- respond and we hold those two things in tension, today if God is calling you, respond respond, but God knows those who will follow him, respond respond, we hold those things in tension so Jesus brought glory to God through his whole life, but ultimately through the cross by obeying God completely, surrendering his life to him, and through giving his life in serving others so that God's kingdom might be advanced. I think they're incredible things for you and I. You and I are not Jesus. We're not the son of God. We never will be. Uh, we we want to become like him. And I think the way in this passage today, which is showing us things that we can uh, model from Jesus' prayer, is that he followed God obediently. He surrendered his life to God's will. He said, I'll, I will do your will no matter what. And for us as followers of Christ, you know, the best prayer is to say, Lord, will I bring you glory? I want to bring you glory in my life by not doing my will, but by following your will. I want to be obedient to you, just like Christ was, unto death. You know, it's easy to say that. so hard to do that. Do you know why? Because our world is constantly saying that you are in control, that you can make the decisions, that you are important, that it's up to you to be financially secure. It's up to you to be healthy and fit, because by doing all these things, you can determine you know your outcomes in life, nothing could be further from the truth. You can eat and be as healthy as you can, but tomorrow you can face illness and suffering. You can think you have it all together, but the financial market can crash it all down. Our strength and our security is found only in God who made us and through total surrender to him. Yet the world who doesn't believe in God And doesn't bow the knee to Christ as Lord. Will do everything to try and say that you are Lord. You are God. You are in control. Jesus submitted, although he was God, he submitted obediently to the Father. Even to death. And this brought God glory. Your life, surrendered to God, will bring him glory. The second thing I think is, Your life, as Jesus surrendered his life for the benefit of others, your life lived for the benefit of others will bring God glory. Now, not just for the benefit of others. I mean, not just doing nice things for people you know, um, for no reason. But if you are living your life for the benefit of others so that they might know Jesus, so that they might come to understand God's purposes, God's plans, then that brings glory to God. So when you pray, oh, God, may my life bring you glory. May I bring you glory by obeying you no matter what. And may I bring you glory by using the things that you've given me, the life that you've given me, the gifts that you've given me, the time that you've given me in serving others so they might come to know you and live for your glory. Those two things are so clear here. How do you begin to do that? It's just responding by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. See, the passage says that Jesus would give him glory in verse 2, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. The first way to bring glory to God and to start living obediently and living your life for him is by asking him to be your Lord and Saviour by surrendering to him as Lord and asking him to come into your life. You accept that what he did on the cross was taking your sin upon uh, himself and that through belief and faith in Jesus Christ, he can forgive you of all that you've done in, in the past, of all the attitudes and thoughts and ways you've lived, of all the wrong ways you've hurt others and hurt him. And you can be forgiven. And when you put your faith and trust in him, That's how you start to live for God's glory. Jesus said in verse 3, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So coming to know Jesus and putting your trust in him for forgiveness of sin leads us into a relationship with God, and having a relationship with God is having eternal life. Because we know him. And through Jesus Christ, we come to know God fully. It's not that when we come to know Jesus, God sort of endows upon us eternal life, like some benefit of knowing Jesus. No, actually knowing Christ, knowing Jesus, and knowing God is intermittently caught up with eternal life. If you know Jesus, you have eternal life now. And at any time, if your life here was to be taken, you will go straight to the presence of God forever, eternally. It's yours now. You have it. So live in in that way. Jesus' purpose was to bring glory to God through the cross so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. And eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ. So the question for us is, how can we live for the glory of God? It's through obeying God and it's through living our lives for others. And the way we begin to obey God and live our lives for others is giving our life to God in complete surrender, putting our faith in Him through Jesus Christ. When we do that, we receive eternal life. In verse 4, Jesus prays, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. If you have an NIV Bible, why don't we just read that together again? Verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. It's a beautiful verse. I think that would be a great prayer for us in our lives. I mean, didn't Jesus do that? He actually brought God glory in his life by the way he taught, by the way he healed, by the way he looked to the outcast, to the poor, to the children, to those that were on the outer edge. He showed incredible love. He reflected God's glory. He showed the glory of God to all that he met. He was God in the flesh and he did that right through his life. And now, as he comes to the eve of the cross, he speaks, I have brought you glory. He's speaking about what's about to unfold. He knows what he's about to face. And he says with confidence, I have brought you glory. Knowing that he would die on the cross and they would rise again. Jesus brought God so much glory. And in him we see what God is like through the way he died and rose again and brought eternal life. And as we look to Jesus and see the way that he lived, I think our prayer must be, God, as I live this life, may I be able to say, I have brought you glory on my life. In my life, all that I have done, I have done so that you might be glorified your mum here today, parenting young children, imagine to be able to look back and say, God, I've brought you glory in life. By the way, I've really tried to do this for your glory. I've tried to model what you are like to my kids. Dads, as you've looked at your children and tried to help them and encourage them in their life, would it be that one day they, you would be able to look back and say, God, I've, in parenting... I've really sought to do your work and bring your glory. I've done what you've asked me to do. Imagine if at your work, maybe this is the work that God has called you to do, to work where you are. Looking back on the time that you've spent at work and in the office, would you be able to look to God and say, God, you know, I've done, I've completed the work that you've called me to do. It might be that you've lived in such a way that your life there, you've done everything that God's called you to do to bring glory to him, maybe by turning up on time, by not mucking around with the hours that you spend at work, you know, by, not, you know, not use, by using them wisely, by not taking stationary home, by building great relationships with the other staff so that you can actually have opportunities to tell them about the love of Jesus. At work, imagine... Being able to, at the end of your time, saying, God, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. When it comes to our prayers for our neighbours and our friends and people that don't know Jesus, wouldn't it be great to say, God, I have brought you glory by doing the work you've called me to do. When you've asked me to speak, I've spoken. God, when you've asked me to invite a friend or to pray for a friend or to do that, I've just continued to pray and cry out. And God, as I look back, my life has brought you glory because I've completed the work you've called me to do. Now, many people look at a verse like this and say, oh, what work has God called me to do? You know, what is that big thing that God's called me to do? And, and I reckon there's something that God's called each and every one of us to do in our life here. It's to become like Jesus. It's to read his word. It's to pray. It's to grow in character so that we can become more and more like Jesus. So the work that God's called us to do is to develop Christ-like character. Uh, I, I think that's the most important thing that you can do. Some people say, oh, I don't know whether to work here or to work there or to work here. I think God wants to use wherever you work to develop character within you. Another thing, if you're thinking, oh, God, what do you call me to do specifically, though? I think start with what you have. If you're a parent, you know the work that he's called you to do is to be a great parent. If you're a, a, a son, a teenager, or a daughter, you know, the work that you've called is to honour your parents, or to, to do the work that you're doing right now at school the best that you can. So what has God placed right in front of you? And sometimes God really makes it clear of the call that he has specifically on your life. And when that happens, respond wholeheartedly. I believe that God wants to call people from this church to overseas missions. I believe there there are people that he wants to use to take to be equipped and trained so that the gospel might be shared in other lands. I believe there there must be people here that God would want to use to help um, in in different areas in our church to impact the lives of kids, to impact the lives of our youth. And, And what I feel is when God is prompting you to use the gifts that he's called you, don't hesitate but to respond in obedience for the benefit of others, and for the glory of God. Jesus says, I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. There is none other like Christ and what he did for us. And we today still benefit from the work of Christ 2,000 years ago and his ongoing work now as he prays and intercedes for us at the right hand of God. This verse 5 explains that. And now, Father, he says, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus incarnate came into the world. He came from the heavens to earth, God and man together. And he lived on this earth. And in this time, as he knew his death and resurrection was coming, he says, Lord, would you restore to me The glory I had before the world began. And you know what? God heard that prayer so wholeheartedly. Because today, Jesus in bodily form is at the right hand of the Father. And he prays for you and me and he intercedes. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why we pray to him, to God. And we cry out because God, Christ is interceding for us that our lives would be lived according to his purposes, for his glory. So today, I think if you want to climb a ladder that leads up the right wall, if you want to give your life in, live your life in such a way, a great prayer that you could pray every day is, God, whatever I'm doing today, whether it be in the midst of the most difficult challenges or whether things are just going wonderfully along, God, may my life bring you glory. May my life bring you glory in all that I do. And as you do that, and you wonder how your life can bring him glory, be obedient to everything he tells you to do. Read his word all the time. Study it. Find out what he's asking you to do and how he's asking you to live and read it and live it. Be obedient. That will bring him glory every single time. And live your life for the benefit of others, for the kingdom of God. Find, God, what are you wanting me to do with my one life here that will benefit others and help them know God's glory? As we come now to finish, I'd love us to pray together. And I'd love us to pray that God's glory will be seen in our lives, in your life. And this morning, if you have never asked Jesus to come into your life, this scripture so clearly says how you can receive eternal life. It's through knowing God and Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today, by you saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I want to live for your glory. Forgive me. You can become one who knows God and has eternal life. We're going to pray for that just in a minute in the first part of your prayer. Of this prayer, you might want to just pray along with me in that. And I'm going to pray for prayer in all of our lives who are followers of Christ. I'm going to pray for God's glory to be seen in our church as we all live for him every day. Let's pray. God, there are so many things that we could live for so many things that we could think we were doing the right thing by living in a certain way. But here, God, you have shown us what you care about most, that our lives would be lived for your glory. And God, there are people here today that have never asked you to be their Lord and Saviour, to be the one in whom they seek wisdom, direction, the one in whom they find forgiveness and eternal life. And so, God, today, uh, would you hear the prayers of these people who want to give their lives to you? And if that's you, you might just want to pray quietly in your heart after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking the punishment for my sin. Thank you that through it, your death I can be forgiven. I believe this in by faith. Thank you for eternal life. And God help me now live for your glory. God, for those who have been Christians for a long time and who are here today, we want to pray together. We lift up our hearts to you, God, that you would help us to live every day intentionally for your glory. God, help us not be those that get so caught up with our own concerns that we live for us and not for you. God, help us to be dangerous in the way that we live. Help us to be those that take steps boldly and would be even willing to die if you called us to do that for your glory. God, help to give us courage to trust you, whatever we're facing now, and to live for your glory. And God, for our church, I want to thank you. Thank you for the way in which you're revealing yourself and showing yourself in and through your people here. We pray that our church would always live in obedience to you and for the benefit of others god may we always be those that are looking and going out just like you sent your son into this world may we go out into this community each and every day and every week locking eyes with people that don't know you and god may we live in such a way that you're glorified through our lives and people want to know you risen lord jesus oh god Be glorified in our church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning in front of you is a blue card and it might be just great if you just take that now.